When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. I'm here alongside my good friend Nick Ferguson. I'm George Stoya with the Denver Gazette. Nick. It's been a week, man. We haven't talked. We haven't talked in a while. What's going on, man? Did you enjoy some of the uh, the playoff games this past weekend? Yeah, I did. And uh, the one of all the games, the one I enjoyed the most. I don't know about you, but I enjoy the Chargers Jags game, right? Because here's what I knew, right? And, and, and tell me if you knew this as well. I know some members of Broncos country. They they know where I'm coming from. We knew the Chargers were going to charge it. Like we let's get that out of the way. We knew. That was going to happen. And watching them play the Denver Broncos the week before, I saw some glaring issues in, in, in the week prior to that against the Rams that it really exposed this Brandon Staley team on both sides of the ball, but more importantly on the defensive side of the ball. And it was a matter of whether the Jackson and Doug Peterson were going to take advantage of it. To see the game start out where the Chargers had a 27-7 to lead going into the half, you know, most – People thought the game was over. Just look at Twitter. It was like the game was over. The Chargers did what they needed to do, and, and the Jags revealed their true identity. But they say that a, a, a leopard can't change their spots, but the Jags did. They came roaring back, and I was so excited. But the thing that got me was uh, on social media, it was, well, Joey Bosa caused the Chargers that particular game. And I was like, no, he didn't. I mean, obviously, he was held. He shouldn't have thrown his helmet on the ground, and he shouldn't say something to the refs uh, prior to that. But at the same time, I mean, you win and lose as a team, but but the Chargers, man, I I knew it. I was just waiting. I was like, this is a tradition, right? This is tradition. They did it under Marty uh, Schottenheimer. Uh, They did it under Norv Turner. So it was just, hey, man, repeat the same thing under Brandon Staley. So I knew that was going to happen, but that, 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 that was exciting. That was the most exciting part. Uh, but this past weekend's games. Yeah, what's the saying? The Chargers are going to charge her. Um, that was a, an all-time uh, charging collapse, right? Um, that was <laughs> that was, and you saw it coming, right? Like, yeah, I saw it, was, it I coming. I think it was in the right before halftime when the uh, the ja- when the Jags they're down twenty-seven nothing. They go down and they score right before half, and I was like immediately, I was like, "Yep, they're going to lose." I was like, "This is it." And obviously, they had a bunch of things, you know. A bunch of things bounced their way in the second half. Uh, the Jaguars, that is, and and obviously Trevor Lawrence played magnificent down the stretch. And you had the Bosa situation, like you said. I don't blame him. Obviously, it was a big play in the game, but it wasn't all his fault that they lost. I mean, they gave up a twenty-seven point lead. I mean, how about Brandon Staley, the guy who uh, is supposed to be Mister Aggressive, go for it on fourth down? Uh, he kicks a field goal there uh, with what well, I think it was eight minutes left. They're up ten. And uh, it's like fourth and two, fourth and three. And if you go for it and you're in plus territory and you go down and you score a touchdown, the game's over. I mean, it's they're going to win the game if they go score a yeah. touchdown there. They kick a field goal. He misses the field goal, and uh, which has been a problem for them all years, is they've had like kind of a rotating uh, door at uh, kicker. And then obviously uh, the Jaguars go right down the field, score, get the two-point conversion, get the ball back, kick the field goal, and win the game. So uh, classic Chargers game. Some of the other games, 49ers, Seahawks, um, you know, that was a good one um, until the fourth quarter. Um, the Bengals-Ravens game, oh, my God, the ending of that game uh, with with the fumble return, that was nuts. Uh, Giants-Vikings, the Vikings were frauds. We knew it all along. Uh, <laughs> the Giants the Giants look legit, man. And that's one thing, too, and, and we're going to get into some of this coaching search, but I thought it was interesting, even Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, you saw a lot of first-time head coaches in the playoffs, Nick. Um, and a lot of these guys have turned their franchises 
around or their teams around within one year. And, and a lot of it with guys that maybe people didn't think, um, you know, could be, uh, you know, top players in the league. I mean, you look at what Mike McDaniel was able to do with Skylar Thompson. They almost take down the Bills. Obviously, Skylar Thompson's not the quarterback of the future for Miami, but right. what he was able to do with him um, and also just that Dolphins team this year was impressive. You look at Brian Dayball uh, and what he's been able to do um, in um, in New York and what he's done with Daniel Jones, a guy that a lot of people was like, this guy is not the guy. He's He can't you know, be a franchise quarterback. And now you're talking about signing him to, you know, a multi-year deal with the Giants. So I think that it's kind of a, and even the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, I think all those guys are kind of a sign of hope, I guess I would say, maybe for the Broncos in terms of, um, you know, uh, uh, if you get the right guy in here, they can turn things around. So, um, you know, the Broncos are, are in the heart of their coaching search, Nick. Let's, let's get into a little bit of that. Uh, this week, they've got, Four more interviews. They, they had four interviews yet last week. Um, Jim Harbaugh, Jiro Evero, uh, Jim Caldwell, and David Shaw. Jim Harbaugh no longer in the race, Nick. Uh, that was announced yesterday. And this week they've got Sean Payton this morning, literally as we speak, I believe. He'll be interviewing here soon. Uh, Raheem Morris, uh, and then Dan Quinn later in the week, and D'Amico Ryan. So, Nick, what, where, where, where do things stand with the Broncos coaching search in your mind? Well, I always thought, George, that it was a three-horse race uh, to begin with, even though you're bringing in a multitude of different uh, candidates for the job. I always thought it was uh, Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and Dan Quinn, not in any particular order. But when it comes to uh, Jim Harbaugh, I, I never really felt as though Jim Harbaugh was just kind of really into becoming the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. We know about the Stanford Connection with Greg Penner and Condoleezza Rice. They brought in David Shaw, almost even to double down on this idea of Jim Harbaugh. But it was basically, you know, his job. Let's be totally honest. I feel in my heart of heart that it was basically Jim Harbaugh's job to lose. But here's what he did. And, 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 I th and we talked about this before. I just thought that this was going to be an opportunity by, you know, Jim Harbaugh to bump up his, his status with the organization. And the organization I'm talking about, obviously, the Michigan Wolverines. And to know that Ward Manuel, who is uh, the athletic director, uh, I guess uh, that, that's his position uh, there at the school, they didn't really talk that much. I think it was uh, the school's president who really, you know, had the conversation with Harbaugh about coming back. And I think he posted the news on, on Twitter. But I never felt as though Harbaugh was really into it because last year he interviewed for the Minnesota job and he didn't get the job. And he told uh, Ward Manuel, the athletic director, hey man, this is a one and done situation. I'm not going to do this again. I tested the waters, nothing happened. Kevin O'Donnell got the job, so I'm done. I'm committed to Michigan. Only to get back to the college football playoffs yet again. And he saw what was happening. It was a tsunami of support for him and the Michigan Wolverines were on the national stage again. And he thought like, hmm, I can fit this $7 million contract into more money. And that's exactly what he did. He used the Broncos as leverage against Michigan because they knew, well, since Brady Hope, he was the only one that had a, a, an enormous amount of success. And they didn't want to lose that. And just think about it, right? I mean, with college football the way that it is, and I know with NILs, most coaches are afraid of it. But he's done a masterful job of navigating that landscape, and they have a good thing going at Michigan right now. So why, why would you leave that to go to the NFL? Yeah, it may seem like a large payday, but now he's, he's probably going to get a much larger payday from Michigan for staying. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think with the whole hardball deal, Nick. I, it's one of those situations where – you know, part of me thinks he used it for leverage. Part of me thinks maybe he is being genuine about, you know, he just didn't know what he wanted. And so his heart's in Michigan. I, I just think that this is a thing that's going to happen every single year with this guy. And whether it's the Broncos or whatever jobs come open next year, like it's just going to be a constant thing where he's, you know, kind of playing this game. Whereas, oh, maybe I will come back or maybe I will go to the NFL or whatever it may be. All I know is I'm kind of glad it's over. And while I, yes, I thought it would have been a great hire for the Broncos 
to get Jim Harbaugh. I just don't think you want to hire somebody that, you know, is one foot, one foot in, one foot out, and you just don't know what he really wants. Uh, and everything has, has shown us that he kind of um, doesn't know what he wants. And I don't think you want an indecisive person for right. the job. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I think that in the end, it'll be fine for the Broncos, but it does make the search a little bit more interesting, right? I mean, I think he was a guy that, like you said, Nick, he was one of their top targets. I mean, there's a reason he was one of the first interviews, right? Um, and, and one of the guys that they were very interested in and, and somebody that's very well, well respected. I think now the, the, the focus turns to, I know a lot of people were putting out there yesterday, well, now they have to go all in on Sean Payton. I don't think that's necessarily true. Obviously, I think Sean Payton, you know, rockets to the top of the list if he was not already there for the Broncos. Uh, but I think it also makes it a little bit more interesting because I don't know what Sean Payton's going to do either, right? He's interviewing for all these jobs. Uh, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some convincing, I think, on the Broncos end to get him. But I think it also opens the door, Nick, and, and we can get into this a little bit if you want. I think I, I know we've all talked about they got to get a guy with experience. They got to get, you know, somebody who's a culture changer and all this stuff. I think it opens the door maybe to uh, looking at some of these first-time head coaches. I know that they, you know, a lot of people don't think the Broncos should go in that direction, but I still am a big advocate for somebody like a D'Amico Ryans. Obviously, a lot of the players are in support of Evero, uh, and he continues to get more and more interest, but I think Harbaugh exiting the race opens the door to maybe some, some more candidates, um, maybe not even on the list. I don't know. Maybe they add one or two more candidates, um, but I, I do think it makes the search that more interesting. Yeah, it does. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, after I heard the whole news about Harbaugh, you know, somewhat, hey, man, calling uh, Greg Penner and say, you know what, I'm going to head back to, to Michigan. I decided to put up a poll and it's up on, on my Twitter page at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Uh, be sure to go there and cash your vote. But uh, I put this thing up yesterday and I had Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, Jero Evero and Jim Carwell. I was going to put D'Amico Ryan's uh, on there, but I just wanted to kind of to wait to just kind of get the pulse of what uh, some of the fans are thinking right now. As of, uh, I guess, 60 seconds ago, uh, Sean Payton is leading with eight, 48%, Dan Quinn at 32, Everrow at 12%, and Jim Caldwell at 8%. So even with that, Broncos country, the majority of them are still in love or infatuated with the idea of Sean Payton. Now, I know the infatuation with Sean Payton, okay, with well, Drew Brees, uh, he was in the, he's in the league 15 years, and I get that. that that's a long period of time, and that's a, a long dedication and relationship with that Saints organization. And a lot of members of Broncos country, me included, want that to happen. You want a coach that comes in and establishes accountability, discipline, but most importantly, stability for the organization. So we don't have this coaching carousel like we've had this uh, quarterback carousel. But I also would say this, too, because the question was raised to me on Twitter, and, and you, you feel free to answer this question as well. Why are so many people so gun-ho and over the top about Dan Quinn? And I went back and watched uh, or compared the two coaches' uh, coaching records. Obviously, you know, Sean Payton has coached longer as a head coach than Dan Quinn. But here's something that's really interesting, right? You know, Broncos country, they want a Super Bowl. Would you, would you agree? Right. Yes. Yeah. So so if you were to look at the two coaches and say, well, who was able to get to the Super Bowl faster? The answer to that question would be Dan Quinn. He did it in three years. It took Sean Payton five years. So depending on who you are in Broncos country and what you feel is the most important thing to you. And it seems as though getting to the Super Bowl is important. Well, Dan Quinn did it in, you know, three years. That's two years earlier than Sean Payton. So I don't know if that means anything to you or some members of Broncos country, but but right now, just entertain me for just a second. Does, does that mean or change anything for you when you look at the possibility of Quinn over Sean Payton or vice versa? No, I mean, it's tough. I, I think that when you're looking at the two, obviously Sean Payton has a better track record, was an NFL coach longer, right? Has more experience, won a lot of football games, one of the most winningest coaches uh, in recent history, won a Super Bowl. Of course, though, that was now, you know, 17 years ago. Uh, it was 2006, I believe, that he won that that lone Super Bowl. Um, and, and I think what what appeals, though, 
to fans and a lot of Broncos people about Sean Payton is his offensive mind. I think that that's what people gets people going is he's an offensive guy. I mean, Russell Wilson called him a wizard, I believe, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. And so I think that that's what people look at and go, well, Sean Payton can fix him. Whereas Dan Quinn, I don't think people are opposed to Dan Quinn. They're just saying, oh, he's a defensive guy. Yeah, he'll come in and do the job. He'll do it well. But he's not that offensive mind. I, I personally think Dan Quinn would be a really good hire. Uh, and you've seen Nick before, uh, head coaches that get fired and get a second, you know, a stint later on, a second job, a second chance later, uh, typically do really well on their second, their second chance. I mean, you look at even Jim Caldwell with the Lions did a really good job in Detroit, right? After getting fired by the Colts in previous years, uh, you look at even Gary Kubiak, right? Uh, who was with the Texans for a long time, comes in to the Broncos wins the Super Bowl with the Broncos. So you see, I mean, even John Fox, right, uh, came in and did a really good job with the Broncos as well. So uh, you, you see second-time coaches do a really good job, and I think Dan Quinn would do a really good job and would fit well in what Denver wants to do. So I think either of those guys would be really good hires. I still lean towards if they can get Sean Payton, you get Sean Payton, because um, I do think that there's a better, there's a higher uh, ceiling, I think, maybe with Sean Payton, uh, or at least a, a – uh, longer longevity with Sean Payton. I think you could have him for like 10 plus years as your head coach. Whereas Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, maybe you do, but I, I think that there's more, uh, a better chance of that succeeding under Sean Payton. Anyways, Nick, we got to take a quick break. We will continue this conversation. Uh, we'll also get into some more stuff about this past weekend, what maybe some of these results, what some of these games uh, meant for the Broncos coaching search. Uh, and we will dive into all of that after this quick break. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, we were, we were just talking about Dan Quinn. Uh, they're set to interview him, I believe, on Friday. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be the end of the week. Obviously, he looked – I mean, they – their defense looked great last night. The Cowboys obviously uh, looked fantastic against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers last night. Um, again, I, I really like Dan Quinn, Nick. Like I said, I think that second-time coaches usually do pretty well um, with their second chance as a head coach. And, and to be honest, he was really successful in Atlanta. I mean, and, and a lot of people there thought he shouldn't have been let go. So uh, I think he's a guy that that's kind of proven himself in the league. And, and again, I, I think he'd be a really good hire. I just think maybe Sean Payton's ceiling is, is maybe just uh, a little bit higher. Um, and, and, and in terms of offensive uh, prowess, prowess, I think that he's, he's a guy that obviously is very knowledgeable and a guy that I think could come in and really help, you know, Russell Wilson in this offense. Yes, you're absolutely right. Don't want to take anything away from the genius that is uh, Sean Payton offensively. But uh, here's a couple of things I just go, want to toss out there just for conversational purposes. Dan Quinn and Sean Payton were in the same division when uh, Dan Quinn coached for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And if I'm not mistaken, once again, in three seasons, he went to uh, the Super Bowl. So that may, means as though he had to go through Sean Payton's uh, New Orleans Saints in order to do that. While Sean is a creative mind and done some great things with Drew Brees, and we can't undermine that, at, at the same time, the problem that we saw with Sean Payton was, wasn't the fact that their offense uh, wasn't one of the high-powered uh, offenses in, in the league. It was their defense. And the one thing that we saw from the Broncos this season or the past couple of seasons have been their defense. Dennis Allen was his defensive coordinator. So if Sean Payton uh, is to be named the next head coach of the Denver Broncos, yes, it's a boost for the offense, but does it somehow take away from the defense because who now becomes his defensive coordinator? Now, he wants to bring in uh, Vic Fangio, but how does that play with some of the guys in the locker room? That is something that uh, we would have to see how that works out if Sean Payton is named the, the head coach. So going back to Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn was able to get to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, a coach that a player that we saw this year with the Colts just didn't really look the same, right? And they had a running game. They were able to establish the running game, and it was play action pass. And Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Obviously, 
when Kyle left to go to San Francisco, that offense somewhat fell apart. So for Dan Quinn, if he were to become the Broncos' next head coach, it's all important who his next OC is. And we've talked about this before. He has experience with Daryl Bevel, who is a quarterback coach for the Miami Dolphins, and, uh, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, who is, I guess, some kind of analyst for the Dallas Cowboys. So each one of these guys have both pros and cons. And when this, when this ownership group looks at this situation, they got to look at it not in the short term, George, but in the long term. And it can't be, well, which one moves the needle from the hype standpoint. This franchise doesn't need hype. They need a coaching staff that can come in here and elevate the players on the roster. And that's one of the things I feel that the ownership definitely needs to take into serious consideration, right? This, this is not the, the hype madness that we see around the Heisman Trophy, around the first round draft pick, when we see, you know, draft analysts starts talking about, well, who's the next, you know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, and they're oohed and wild at these pro days. No, right? Break each one of these guys down that you're bringing in. And strip it away as though you knew nothing about them. There were no resumes. There was, there, were, there was nothing. Listen to each one of these guys and ask the most important questions. This is how I feel as though this ownership needs to pick and choose the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. Feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. Feel free. No, I, I think you're right, Nick. Um, I, I think that there's so much there, – there's a narrative out there that they have to land – uh, Sean Payton or they have to land Dan Quinn. And like I said earlier, the, they have to get a guy with coaching experience. And I'm sure that's, you know, something on their list, but if they go in there and they go into every single interview with the same mindset of, okay, this is Sean Payton, but we're going to treat him like any other guy. Right. And we're going to enter asking the same questions that we're asking D'Amico Ryans. And let's say they go in and they talk to D'Amico Ryans on Thursday and D'Amico Ryans blows them away. Why right. not hire that guy? Right. Why not hire? I mean, I, that's that's my point is like I, I know everybody wants to get the big hire and get Sean Payton. And, and I agree. I think that'd be a great hire. That'd be a home run hire. But I, I think you have to trust this ownership group to go in there uh, and, and kind of treat each person the same and then go from there, have a group of finalists. I would assume this by this weekend and then interview them next week. But, Nick, I want to ask you if you're Greg Penner, let's say you're Greg Penner, Nick, uh, you own the Denver Broncos, you have. 70 billion dollars or however much money it is uh who who are you hiring nick and i know you're not in the interviews or anything like that but from somebody looking from the outside in uh who is your number one guy on this list of seven candidates that you would hire well for me right off the bat i think of you know dan quinn and i know that doesn't seem like a very popular uh vote he's a defensive guy he hasn't been in the league as a head coach as long as Sean Payton, but for, for me, I, I've been around Dan Quinn. I haven't been around, you know, Sean Payton, and it may seem like a little bias, uh, but I just watch how Dan Quinn interacts with his players and how his players interact with him. That is all important. I know someone's screaming at me. Well, the thing you hack did the same thing, but here's where it's a little different, right? He's not just uh, you know being friends with the players. I mean, there's a certain level of discipline that I've watched Dan Quinn establish with his players. Yeah, I mean, he can, he can chop it up with them. He can talk with them. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of football, he knows how to get them, get them going. Because when Gus Bradley left Seattle for Jacksonville to become their head coach, it, everything that uh, Seattle had established defensively were left on the shoulders of Dan Quinn. And he continued to he continued that trend that Gus Bradley left behind. And sometimes, no matter what position you coach, that may be very difficult. Being able to maintain that relationship and get those guys going in the Legion of Boom, that's important. That's almost like looking at how Wade Phillips and Joe Woods were able to get the no-fly zone to stay together. That that's a lot of personalities in that one particular room knowing you got T.J. Ward in that room, Chris Harris Jr., Bradley Roby, and, I mean, you know, Aqib Tlaib. That's a that's a eclectic group of guys. I think Broncos country would agree that it's hard to keep them together, but they were able to do that. 
So th these are the things that I see in Dan Quinn. And to be totally honest, he interviewed last season. He was one of the finalists. So there was something that George Payton saw in him, not just the fact that they go back to those Miami days, but it was just something he saw in him to bring him in for an interview last year. And once again, he's on the list this year. You, you talked about how the Dallas Cowboys defense played against Tom Brady. Looking at one of the strongest suits of this Broncos team, it has been the defensive side of the ball. And I don't care what anyone says, and we've heard it so much in the league, the quarterback is the most important player on any NFL team. If you don't have one, you cannot win a championship. That may be true, but when was the last time you saw maybe a quarterback trump a great defensive play? Because it is a cliche, but it's true. Defense still wins championships. And what we saw on display, and we can say, oh, it was against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hey, I'm not saying that the, the Dallas Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl, but you need to have a great defense. And it also helps when your offense can do a couple of things, run the ball, and they can take some shots down the field. So I, I like Dan Quinn, but I would love to see a guy like D'Amico Ryans uh, get his shot too. But I think for me, it's more Dan Quinn right now. I think the biggest question with Dan Quinn, Nick, and you hit it earlier and you've, you've said it for the last couple of weeks now, is who is his offensive coordinator going to be? And you could, I mean, that's that's going to be the biggest question, I think, for any of these guys if they're hired, other than maybe Sean Payton and, and I guess maybe Jim Caldwell, who obviously has, has called plays and been a quarterback's coach previously. But if Dan Quinn is hired, that's my biggest question mark. I, I think we all know he's a great leader. Uh, he's a guy that I think can dial up you know, a great defense. And, and obviously I think the Broncos already have the players to have a great defense because they've had a great defense the last few years. And you bring in a guy like Dan Quinn, I think they're only going to get better or, you know, stay the same in terms of, you know, the success they're having on the defensive side of the ball. The biggest question mark is, you know, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? What does that look like on the offensive side? Now he's shown that he can hire a great offensive coordinator, right? I mean, he hired Kyle Shanahan in yeah. Atlanta. Um, now, it didn't work out after Kyle Shanahan left, so maybe that's your concern. But that's also another thing that I think he he would probably point to and say, yeah, I learned from that mistake, and I, I won't make it again. Um, so I, I think that, that that's the biggest question mark is, is who are you hiring your offense coordinator? But, Nick, I think Dan Cohen would be a great hire. Uh, I think a lot of people that are, are saying that he wouldn't are just you know looking at, well, he's not getting other interviews with other teams. And it's like, well, every team has their own preference on what they want. Of course, everybody wants to interview Sean Payton. Because he's Sean Payton and he coached 15 years in the league. Uh, but every team, you know, the Colts, Panthers, Cardinals, whoever it is, Texans, are, are going to have their own preferences and what they want in a head coach. And I think that the Broncos have a unique group of candidates uh, that kind of fit what they think the ideal next coach looks like. So, and Dan Quinn, I think, fits that mold. So I, I think that, and I think he's got a really good shot. I know there's a lot of people out there like, well, they need to just offer Sean Payton a blank check today. That's not going to happen. That's not how this works, right? Like they're not going to lock him in a room and say, you're not leaving until you're the Broncos head coach. That's not happening today. They're going to finish their interviews. Uh, Sean Payton's going to interview with all the other teams because I'm sure he wants to see what do the Cardinals have to offer? What do the Panthers have to offer? What do the Texans have? To, like all these teams, he wants to know what's going on in each situation. So nothing's going to happen for another week or two. Uh, at least I don't believe so. And so uh, Dan Quinn's going to get his interview. I'm sure he'll be impressive in it. And I bet he's a finalist, Nick. I bet him, Sean Payton, and maybe one other coach will get uh, a second interview next week. And so um, we'll see what happens, but that's kind of my take on it. Nick, I did want to ask you, though, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier watching these games this weekend. What were some of your takeaways from these games? And, and what, do, what do you think some of them meant, uh, the results or, or just the performances meant for – the head coaching search because I know there's there's some stuff out there about you know certain wins and losses and what they mean uh, going forward for this search. Well, what, the immediate thing that jumped out is just getting getting to the playoffs and and looking at the playoffs with, with the exception of a, a couple of games and the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers being one of those. Most of the games were really exciting and entertaining, and I really enjoyed that. So if the Broncos want to take that next step, not, not just getting to the playoffs, but making noise once they get there, the next head coach is going to have to be a person that you know that, that has experience in the playoffs. They can kind of uh, bring that over uh, with them, that, that kind of philosophy and that coaching staff 
that whomever they bring over, they sign, that that person now brings those type of coaches with experience in the playoffs. Now, I'm just saying not everyone on your coaching staff will need playoff experience, but it helps to have some because they know what it's like. They know what it's like to coach in pressure situations. And if you're screaming at me saying, well, the NFL is pressure situations every Sunday. Yeah, that's true. But when you get to the playoffs, they rev that up just a little more because it's when to go home. You lose one game, there's no, oh, we'll get them tomorrow. No, you have to play your best football in that particular moment. So being able to grab coaches with that experience and kind of sign or bring on a coaching staff that's been there before, that helps. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be Sean Payton. It does. It, it has to be Dan Quinn, right? Or, you know, you, you can have a guy like D'Amico Ryans who has shown, hey, he took over San Francisco from Robert Sala, and that defense is even playing better than they played under Robert Sala, right? So that's something to, to look at, and he has that experience as a player and as a, as a coach, and he can come in and he can lead a team. So the, the games this past weekend, it, it just showed so much about how you have to take your game to a whole different level. It's not one of those moments where, you know what, we're going to rest on our laurels. We're happy to be here. We're happy about the conversation. Everyone is giving us an attention leading up to the game. But no, you have to go out there and win the game. And then just look out how some of the teams won the game. You mentioned Daniel Jones earlier, right? We saw Daniel Jones do it in the air and do it on the ground. When we look at the next offensive coordinator, can you get those things out of Russell? And we've seen in the last two games against the Chargers and the Chiefs, Russell, when he starts to run the ball, it changes things. Just, just last night, I mean, you, you watching the, the Bucks and the Cowboys, you saw Dak Prescott pulling the ball down, scrambling. I mean, Tom Brady, he can't run. So, so that takes away an element of your offense. So whomever is the next head coach, offensive coordinator that comes in for the Broncos, it has to be a multi-level type of offense where you can attack vertically and horizontally. You're going to need your quarterback to be involved with his legs. And that doesn't necessarily mean, George, design quarterback runs all the time. I 100% agree. I think that you, you saw that all weekend, guys running around the field uh, with their legs, making plays, and those were typically the teams that ended up winning the games. So, um, you know, you look at Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, uh, Dak Prescott, like you mentioned, I, I think all those, even Joe Burrow was scrambling for his life uh, against the Bengals, even the Ravens. I mean, Huntley was was running all over the field uh, before he fumbled that ball there at the end of the game. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's definitely going to be a key for them moving forward. Nick, we got to take a break, uh, and then we will uh, come back, discuss this a little bit more. I know uh, you've got some other things you want to get off your chest. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of the divisional round. I know the, the Chiefs are, are, are you know, uh, going to be playing an interesting game this week. You've also got Bills and Bengals. I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. Cowboys 49ers uh, it's going to be a great game I think um, and uh, Giants Eagles uh, that's going to be an awesome atmosphere there in Philadelphia so we'll get into a little bit of that as well let's ride with touchdown Denver touchdown Denver hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya All right, everybody, welcome back from that quick break. Nick, we were just talking about some of the games we watched this past weekend. I know you uh, particularly were watching, uh, you know, obviously you watched all the games, but uh, there was one position that you were watching, um, and, and I know you wanted to talk about that. So what, what position was that, uh, and what maybe stood out about it this weekend? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I obviously, being a defensive guy, I'm, I'm watching all the positions, but I went back and looked at every particular every game, and there was one particular position that really stood out, and it was the tight end position, right? You look at every game. I mean, Mark Andrews for the the Ravens, and obviously we know know Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley's in there. I mean, Andrews he's going to get his touches, but then you look at T.J. Hawkinson, right, for Minnesota Vikings, Evan Ingram for the Jacksonville Jaguars, right, uh, Gerald Everett for for the Chargers. All those guys were uh, involved in the offense. Donna Palmer uh, for the Chargers as well. Dalton Knox. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. So, so, so I thought about this. Like, during the regular season, there was so much emphasis on the quarterback's relationships 
with the wide receivers. But we get to the postseason and it's, it's wild card weekend. And then, no, it's all about the tight end position because so much attention is being paid outside the numbers to the wide receivers. There are so many yards in between the hashes, behind the linebackers, in front of the safeties that were not really exploited and taken advantage of. So it, it brings me to what Kansas City has done effectively with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, that relationship. When you get to the playoffs, that relationship has to grow because the idea is that you have to play great defense and you have to run the ball. Those things are important, right? As a cliche goes, those things need to travel. But what needs to be added to that is getting your tight end involved. Somehow it's just like tight ends are just lost in the mix. They don't really get involved in the offense. And watching each one of these teams, whether you won or lost, the tight ends were the leading pass receivers of, of each one of these teams. And I looked back and I was like, wait a minute. That's crazy. That's nuts. But it's not. It is a lesson for all the every single team moving forward, but most importantly for the Broncos, which made me think. Eric Salbert, I believe, is on that list to be an uh, unrestricted free agent, right? And then we saw Albert Okawebunam not use the majority of the season. Then, you know, in the Kansas City game, he dropped two early balls. He caught a touchdown. He had to double clutch that one. But we didn't really see him involved in the Broncos' offense for the Chargers game. So it got me to thinking, these are the positions that the Broncos need to accentuate. And the next OC needs to be, uh, I guess, a tight end centric or have a tight end centric mind state because that would help the Broncos offense move the ball down the field at a higher rate. I think it's a great point, Nick. I, I didn't really think about it. Obviously, the uh... The league has you've seen that over the past few years. I think a lot of t it, it's a copycat league, right? You hear that all right. the time. And obviously, the Chiefs were were kind of the I don't know if they were the first ones, but they started using the tight end more than really anybody in terms of what they're doing with Travis Kelsey. And I think you've seen a lot of teams try to replicate that by drafting guys that are you know similar size, similar speed, those sorts of things. And and you've seen them excel. I mean, you mentioned it. Mark Andrews has become one of the best tight ends in the league. George Kittle uh, in San Francisco. Uh, you've got Hawkinson, who's had a great year for the Vikings, right? Um, you've got all these big tight ends uh, that that have been playing really well for some of the best teams. And I think it's a very interesting point that whoever comes in here, you hope that they can be somebody that can can find the best out of a guy like Greg Dulcich, right? right. Um, you know, who who showed flashes this year as a rookie that he can be really good. And uh, I think that that's going to be really important moving forward. It's going to be interesting to see what, they do with like a guy like Albert O, right, who I believe is coming up on the last year of his deal. Uh, you mentioned Eric Sauber. I wonder if they go out and they get try and get somebody else in free agency uh, or maybe they try to draft another tight end. Uh, it seems like every single year you're also seeing it in college, right? More teams are using tight ends. And so you're seeing tight ends come, you know, up through the draft. I mean, even it was just a few years ago that the Broncos drafted Noah Fant in the first round, right? Like it's not often you, you draft a tight end in the first round. You're now seeing it be kind of a common thing i mean you talk about the guys for georgia i don't know if you watched the national championship and, and the college football playoffs but they had some dudes at tight end that were like these guys are ridiculous i mean they had uh, <laughs> uh you know the, the darnell washington kid who's like six foot seven you know and then you've got brock bowers who i think he's still only a sophomore but he looks like an nfl player out there and then you even think about uh i think it was two years ago that michael pitts right was drafted yeah. by atlanta so i think the tight end position is becoming one of the most valuable ones in football, Nick, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, if the Broncos can can start to use that. One thing I wanted to mention, Nick, and I mentioned it at the top of the show about these pack, past weekend games, and I wanted to get your take on it just briefly, was uh, the thing that I noticed, I, I didn't watch the positions like you did, but uh, it seemed like every game, Nick, w w they, were, they were talking about a uh, first-time head coach or uh, a guy that uh, you know, came in and, and changed the culture right away. And you, you think about Brian Dayball, Doug Peterson, right? Uh, some of these coaches, Mike McDaniel lost, uh, Kevin O'Connell lost, but some of these coaches that made the playoffs in their first year with their team. Uh, and, and you even look at the guys that won you, three of three of the four, right? The four that I just mentioned, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, uh, Brian Dayball and uh, Doug Peterson. Three of those four, Nick, didn't even interview for the Broncos job last year. 
And that was where my head was at watching some of these games. It's like, man, the Broncos last cycle didn't even didn't even interview some of these guys that are in the playoffs and having you know great years. I mean, Brian Dayball might win coach of the year. He didn't even interview for the job, if I believe. I, I believe that's correct. And then Doug Peterson, who's somebody I thought they should have definitely interviewed last year, uh, has done a remarkable job with the Jaguars. It also tells you how bad of a job Urban Meyer was doing. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's it, that to me was kind of like, man, they really whiffed on some of the coaches last year. I don't know. I, I don't know if you had that same thought, but that was kind of my thought watching some of these games this past weekend was uh, they missed on a lot of guys last year. And also you look at it and you go, well, if they hit right this year, that could be them next year getting to the playoffs, making some of these runs uh, and being successful. Well, George, a lot of that is hindsight being 2020 uh, when organizations start looking for new head coaches they have their own list of guys that they want to interview that they feel as though they personally jail with right it's like if i get along with that guy based on a prior relationship with uh three three degrees or 360 degrees of separation as they call it then i want to bring in that guy right because i want someone that i like and i would like being around and sometimes some of the guys that you mentioned may not have fallen in that category with uh, the Broncos' ownership at that time. And remember, it was George Payton uh, along with the trust, right, that was trying to find another head coach. And, and who's to say that when you're working with a group like that, if you're George Payton, you get a chance to bring in a, someone that you want to bring in. It doesn't always happen in that particular way, but we can always look back at the situation and say, well, these are three coaches, four coaches, uh, made it to the playoffs, three of which were first-time head coaches, and these are the guys that the Broncos should have hired. It goes back to fit. Does that coach fit our current locker room, right? And, and maybe that mindset should be flipped, right, uh, on, the, on his head. But we'll see how this thing works out for the Broncos uh, this time around. Just like coaches, you interview the first time, you hope to be better the second time. And with George Payton being in this situation, but Greg Penner, really running the show. Let's see how they look at this situation. What are some of the top priorities? We broke them down in this podcast earlier. Is it just years of experience? Is it how they perform with a certain type of quarterback or defense? Is it based on height? Uh, which ones uh, are kind of really building the enthusiasm for the fan base, right? And we know we, we see that all the time in, in every sport. You know, the fans get hyped and excited about this particular coach. But is that coach the right person for the organization? These are the things, once, once again, should be at the forefront of the ownership mind, right? A coach that's going to help you sleep at night, not because it was a lot of hype surrounding. It's because the pedigree, everything that comes with that coach, the characteristics, all of those things you know, were checked. Those boxes were checked, per se, by the coach. Those are the kind of the most important things. But I can easily see how this changes the trend. You get three coaches in the playoffs that never had head coaching experience. Hey, listen, I get that. But I think it's something very unique about each one of those coaches that they were able to do that maybe some first-time coaches may not have been looked at in that particular way previously. Yeah, I mean – like you said, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I still would have interviewed Doug Peterson. That would that one to me was like, what, why would you not interview him? Same with Dayball. I, I thought Dayball was a home run hire by the Giants. But um, Nick, before we get into some of these these games this weekend, I did want to ask you. I know you you watch the tight end position. You watch some of these games. We just talked about some of these these new head coaches. Was there were there any coaches that maybe you know defensive coordinator, offensive coordinators, any coaches out there uh, that you're like, man. They did a really good job this week. Maybe the Broncos should add them to the candidate list. I know Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Giants, uh, is being interviewed for a couple jobs. Uh, I know this weekend, obviously, the Eagles didn't play, and neither did the Chiefs, but they've got some coordinators, obviously, interviewing for jobs. Eric Bieniemy, Shane Steichen for the Eagles, Jonathan Gannon for the Eagles as well. Is there anybody that, that jumped out to you this week and they're like, hey, they should interview that guy. That guy is doing a pretty good job. You know, no, not really. I mean, the only person you would say, obviously, I said it already, would be Dan Quinn. And just looking at how uh, their defense has played all season long, but also uh, definitely played against uh, Tampa Bay, 
um, and Tom Brady. So uh, that's kind of an obvious. D'Amico Ryans, of course, you could toss him out there because when you look at San Francisco's defense, uh, they have been stellar all season long. But when you have Mr. Relevant as your quarterback and all he has to do is throw for, I don't know, he can throw for less than 200 yards and you still win the game, that, that is significant because that means that your defense is turning the ball over, but they're also stopping the opponents uh, from scoring. And I know you look at the Seattle game, Seattle score 23 points, but for me, San Francisco, they were in control of that game the entire time. But it boils down to what's your cup of tea, George? You know, what, what is it that you uh, like? What, what makes you smile uh, every day? Is it a defensive coach knowing as though he can coach his guys and get them to go out there and play well and he can stop opposing offenses? Or it's about lighting it up. How many points can we score, right? And the Broncos haven't really scored that many points over the past couple of years, whether it was Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, or even Russell this past year. So they want someone to kind of light it up. So it's, it's where do you stand when you look at the coaching position? But a lot of these games were great. And, you know, a lot of points were scored. A lot of points were given up. So I just can't really look at this past week's slate of games and say, well, that defensive coordinator did a great job. This offensive coordinator did a great job and they should be in the running for the Broncos head coaching position, even though they're not. You just have to look at the, the, the entire season to kind of gauge that. And, you know, D'Amico Ryans and, and Dan Corn would be the two guys that you have to kind of take a look at and throw out there. Yeah, I mean, the, both those guys had really good weekends, right? Um, you know, I, I thought that D'Amico Ryans, their defense looked great. Obviously, they had a big play there with the the strip sack there towards the end of the game. And then obviously Dan Quinn was phenomenal yesterday in that, that Cowboys defense. So going to be an interesting couple of weeks, Nick, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what the, the search looks like. Like I said, they've got four more interviews this week. I still think we're a week or two away from them actually finding a head coach. I think we'll get some, maybe some finalists announced maybe this weekend or early next week. They'll do those second interviews. Uh, and again, large, I mean, if the Cowboys make a run to the Super Bowl, right, they may not be able to hire a guy like Dan Quinn until after the Super Bowl. So that, that could play a factor in terms of the timeline here of when they actually hire somebody. So definitely going to be an interesting couple of weeks. We'll keep you guys updated for that. Nick, before we get out of here, who do you got? Who do you like in these uh, these divisional round games? You've got uh, Bills, Bengals. Uh, you've got uh, 49ers and Cowboys, uh, Eagles, Giants, uh, and obviously the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Who do you like in all these games? Well, it's early in the week, uh, so a lot of things can change before the games actually take place. But based on how San Francisco has played on both sides of the ball, the addition of Christian McCaffrey, I, I got to go with the, the, the 49ers. It just seems as though with all the adversity that they've experienced all season, season long, it's like they, they're destined to kind of either get back to the Super Bowl or be one game from the Super Bowl. Now, that Bengals-Buffalo uh, game, see, that's kind of an interesting. That's a wild card because the last time we saw these teams, you know, where we had the DeMar Hamlin situation. You worry about uh, maybe uh, how things are going to impact the players from an emotional standpoint. What will the Bills be fired up to overtake this game? Because the last time we saw, once again, the score was 7-3 to three in the first quarter with the Bengals on the drive again. It didn't seem like the, the Bills' defense can stop Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense. So that was going to be interesting. The Giants and the Eagles, right? Two teams that absolutely hate one another, right? But I'm going to go with the, the Eagles, right? Fly, Eagles, fly. I know Daniel Jones was exceptional, you know, in, in his first game for Di Brian Dayball and so was Saquon Barkley. But when you, when you look at the fact of what Nick Sirianni, what they've been able to do with the Eagles and put that defense together, going out, adding pieces, this was kind of the right time. If, if, this, if it doesn't happen for Philly now, it's never going to happen. Let's, let's be totally honest. And then... Oh, Kansas City and the Jags. I would love to say Kansas City, but there's something about the underdogs in Jacksonville as they came back against the Chargers that still gives me hope that maybe Trevor Lawrence might be able to pull this off. Yeah, I mean, I really like the Chiefs. I, they're kind of they've been my Super Bowl pick most of the year. Um I do think the Jags though, they give me kind of those like uh Giants vibes, those Giants teams that we just sneak into the playoffs and just mess everything up, right? Yeah. Uh, they they kind of give me that vibe that they, they're just going to be 
a pain in the ass for everybody. And, and, you know, I think the chiefs have shown that they're very vulnerable at times. Uh, yeah. they, get beat, they kind of screw around a few times and uh, let teams in the game. So I, I, I think the chiefs win, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars pull off a stunner there. Uh, Bill's Bengals, I think is maybe the game of the weekend. I think the bills are the better team. It's just a matter of can Josh Allen not turn the ball over. Uh, you know, if they had Von Miller, I would really like them in this game because the Bengals offensive line is a disaster right now, just as it was a year ago. Maybe Joe Burrow can make some spectacular plays. Maybe they can get some help from the defense like they did this last week with that big touchdown against the Ravens. Uh, but I like the bills in that game. Uh, 49ers Cowboys, I think is also going to be a great game. I think the Cowboys can score uh, and maybe keep up with the 49ers. I do though. I think you're right. I think the 49ers, man, they're a machine right now. What they're doing right with Brock Purdy, They've got so many weapons on offense. I think it's going to be too much for the Cowboys. Uh, and then you've got the number one defense, and I do think that they'll get enough stops uh, against the Cowboys. So I, I like the 49ers. And then Eagles-Giants. Man, I like the Giants. I like the way they played this last week. But the Eagles are also my other Super Bowl pick in terms of getting there. I think they've played great all year. I think it kind of depends. I, mean, I don't know how healthy Jalen Hurts is, right? Uh, I don't think anybody really knows. But if he's healthy, I like the Eagles. That, that group's been really good all year. Uh, so I, I, I like them, uh, this week, especially, you know, on the defensive side, they've, they've played really good football on that side. And like you said, defense wins championships. And I think that an Eagles 49ers matchup in the NFC championship would be electric just as much as Bill's chiefs would be in the AFC. And honestly, any of the matchups would be great, but I think those are kind of the two matchups that I've been looking forward to really all year. Uh, so it would, it would be fun to see, but, uh, Nick, let's get out of here. We, we went a little long. Uh, today, I'm sure we'll talk more about some of those games later this week on Thursday. Uh, but thanks to everybody for listening. Make sure you guys subscribe and like the podcast. We will be back later this week to talk more coaching search, uh, more divisional round games, uh, and some other stuff in the future, maybe some free agency stuff like that. But uh, uh, that's it for this week's episode, and we'll see you guys later uh, this week on Thursday.